You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode we'll be doing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> are, we, are we good? You got it? Man, we'll be here till five o'clock. Huh? Okay. All right, for this episode we'll be talking about the Jimi Hendrix experience, Axis Bold as Love. In the room I have Rob, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben, yeah. John, and mm-hmm. Grady. Mm-hmm. Axis Bullet is Love is the second studio album by English-American rock band The Jimi Hendrix Experience. Released December 1st, 1967 on Track Records, the producer was Chaz Chandler and the genre is psychedelic rock. And from All Music Review, uh, Cub Coda. Jimi Hendrix's second album followed up his groundbreaking debut effort with a solid collection of great tunes and great playing by himself, Noel Redding, Mitch Mitchell, and the recording studio itself. Jimmy wisely retained manager Chaz Chandler to produce and Eddie Kramer as engineer, with Axis Hendrix stretches further musically than the first album, but even more so as a songwriter. He was still quite capable of coming up with spacey rockers like You Got Me Floating, but the beautiful, wistful ballads Little Wing, Castles Made of Sand, One Rating Wish, and the title track shows remarkable growth and depth as a tunesman harnessing lyrical imagery and fuzz face hyperactivity to produce yet another side of his grand psychedelic music vision. Not to mention the most excellent proto-fusion blues blowout if six was nine. Alright, what do we think of Axis? Bold as love. Honestly, it, it felt more like things that were left off the first record because... The, I mean, it, it, it reminds me of uh, uh, when the Pumpkins came out with that extra box set to go along with their double record, which was already a little bit like, Ooh. and so it was just like fucking six hours of shit with the exception of like three decent songs. I don't I don't mean to draw a complete correlation between that those two things but i i feel like i mean this came out the same fucking year right and like i kind of like i kind of want to recant my uh oh my god clapton thought he was on the same level as hendrix like you know because that first record there's no fucking touching it on this record it's like this is a you're, I, you're rambling, I think Jimmy. he should have waited longer. I know standards were different in 67. Like I, it, I can tell you a, a quick fact about why he didn't want to wait is because he had a contract to produce three albums, I believe, in two years. Well, that's just a silly contract. It's a terrible yeah. contract. Yeah. Chaz. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, the fact that, like, yeah, his... Uh, the Jimmy Are You Experience by the Jimi Hendrix Experience is groundbreaking. There's nothing else like it. And then to release another album mere months later, 
I've got no choice but to judge it against the standards of the first one. You know, like definitely, it, it's that if if I was a, a kid in 1967, that first one's still new in my collection. It, it might as well be parts A and parts B of the same thing. Yeah, true. And looking at it like that, this album has good songs on it, but it is an inferior album to that to that uh, debut, and I think that. I think it could have used a little bit of editing, uh, and I think that seriously, just wait a few more months, release it in 1968 or something, uh, because this album on its own, without the context of that first album, is cool. There's really cool guitar work. There's cool songs. There's not really anything that's bad on it, but I, I have trouble judging uh, maybe it. Maybe the first track. Well, yeah, the first track is a little, like, a little bit of a goof. No, yeah, we we mentioned before we started recording, like, was Roger McGinn involved in that? It's just goofy talking about aliens again, and and I get it. It's 1967, and talking about aliens isn't isn't passe yet, but yeah. but it is now. So yeah, I d- didn't need the chipmunk voice talking about aliens. And up from up the track two, up from the skies, is a little bit too like happy hour at the Holiday Inn lounge for me. <laughs> Uh, it's just, it's smaltzy. I think if they had cut the fat a little bit, uh, made this more of like a lean, mean 30 minute record, I think it would stand up better against Are You Experienced? But as is, I think this record's a little bit, I think it's got a little bit of dead weight. I think it's a little bit bloated. It's a little bit long. And it came out so soon after that all killer, no filler. That, uh, it, it set itself a, up to fail. Bit of a different tone. I mean, a lot of it is a little bit less blistering rock and roll, and a little bit more lyrical, like with your little wing and stuff like that. And, and I, I don't disagree with no, with no. What it you're is saying. a little bit more lyrical, which makes me listen to Hendrix's lyrics more, which are not great. <laughs> which are not great. <laughs> He's not the best lyricist. We get there if we fly by dragonfly. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Cleopatra's trying to put my body in her brain. <laughs> I, I felt I felt a bit the same way of of it's just the the sophomore sophomore slump. slump yeah. The yeah. album it's like you put out the greatest album that people have ever heard, and now what are you gonna do? Well, let's you know, not forget that he wrote every single song on both of these albums too, solo. Yeah. Yeah, which means he which, wrote all this shit at the exact same fucking well, time. I know, I know. I'm just saying it's, it's an impressive. I mean, everyone was doing covers of one form. Yeah, or you, you release all your favorite ones, and then if you make do another release later that year, it's going to be all the ones that didn't make it onto that first record. Right, and yeah. th- this is this is a lot of things that I wouldn't have put out two or three months later. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have yeah. put like it, it had he just taken the time to like you know either work these things a little bit more or write some more shit, it'd be a diff- totally different story. And I absolutely mm-hmm. agree with you. There's a whole fuck ton of fat that could be trimmed off of this and made, made a way more tighter mm-hmm. uh, but album. But the, the good songs are so good. The Little good Ring, songs are very good. Castles Made of Sand. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that's not a whole lot of baby for a good amount of duty bathwater. Well, which, uh, <laughs> which records... Are, but the baby is Hendrix's baby. The baby is Hendrix's baby, and it is fucking good which, baby. Which <laughs> tracks were put on the American release of Are You Experienced? It was like... Uh, what was it? Hey Joe and Purple uh, Rain. Was it also Purple Castle? Rain. And, Purple Rain. Yeah. Did they put Christ Spanish Mary. Castle? Yeah. Okay. Was, was it uh, Castle Purple, made yes. of sand? Purple Sorry, well, hey. <laughs> Does anybody remember <laughs> what they put on? Did they put Castles Made of Sand on the on the American release? I thought that was one of them. The, the, the thing here, I thought it was 
It was Hey Joe, Wind Cries Mary, and Purple Haze, I yeah. thought. Yeah. Oh, well. So yeah. then none of these, then. Never mind. No. But this one, I mean, you can definitely... I think we all know the the agreed-upon consensus bangers are Little Wing, Castles Made of Sand, and... I mean, some people like Bold as Love. Um, Spanish Casual Magic. Cool. Spanish Casual Magic, yeah. So those, Six those... was Nine's a banger. Uh, I like waiting until tomorrow. So do we want to talk about Six was Nine? Sure. Okay. So can we put that on while you're the yeah. the I mean the current recording skipping the one that was released is is not like an acoustically very clean or good recording, right? I mean the the story is I guess that what Jimmy left it in the back of a taxi cab and. The only version they had was an earlier mix, and they had gotten it all crinkled up and had to iron it, like, with an iron. They had to iron the tape. So, I mean... (laughs) But that's... I mean, I think that also is indicative of how pressed they were to do this within that uh, contract time frame. Like, oh, okay, well, we we have to put this album out. Like, that doesn't produce good product. I mean, it produces interesting product. Well, but again, that's coming back to the point of they could have put this album out without that song. Right. There's plenty of fucking songs on this record. Um, the I it, it's sad because that's the song that they obviously really wanted that song because it's kind of a banger, uh, and they didn't have time or money to go back into the studio to do it, so they ended up ironing <laughs> fucking magnetic tape. Yeah, when someone says we'll iron it out, <laughs> they literally <laughs> ironed it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That song is uh, featured prominently in uh, Easy Rider. That's what I got. One of my my very first records uh, was from, I was pilfering the record collection left at my grandparents' house by my aunts and uncles uh, when I was in high school. And I found my uncle's old copy of the Easy Rider soundtrack. And it's a, it's a cool record, and it was my introduction to like a, a lot of this family of bands, and of Six Was Nine was like one of the first Hendrix songs I had heard that wasn't you know like, like Foxy Lady and Wayne's World, you know. Uh, so yeah, I've got I've got good memories of If Six Was Nine, uh, and that might be one of the reasons I still kind of, I've got a soft spot for it now. Uh, but no, I think it's a cool song. I think it can. I think. I think that can be a little bit shorter. Mm. I could see that. You don't want to that. hear the part where he plays the recorder. I... <laughs> <laughs> you think it doesn't need that? <laughs> uh, That's another instrument that doesn't age well. So, I, I, yeah, I'm kind of with you guys a bit. I mean, I'm a big Hendrix fan. I just his playing is just so amazing. It's. It, it is kind of a shame that maybe they didn't have the time to. Yeah. Did they Re- know really that he was going to die in a few years? Do you think that's no, what it is? No. <laughs> I can tell you sure a secret. I'll, I'll share a secret voodoo fact at the end of this uh, okay. session about Ooh. knowing he might die. Oh, interesting. Tantalizing. But yeah, his his playing and just the independence of his guitar from his vocal lines oh, yeah. is just incredible. The dexterousness and, and 
whatever polyrhythmic brain you need to, to do both of those things simultaneously. Yeah, still, so. still inventing new things, too, with, you know, doing interesting backwards guitar. It was also said that he did this, uh, he was the first to feature, like, a percussive muted wah-wah. So when he's he's playing the fretboards, he's killing it with his fret fret hand as he's doing wah-wah. Um, I don't know how to explain how like that his, sounds. His fret hand's muting. He, basically, he's he's yeah muting with his as he's uh, putting his hands on the fretboard at the same time doing wah the wah pedal. Mm. So it has a very interesting percussive Do you sound. Know what's, with the, what song he does that in? With the wah wah, uh, bold is love. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, or sorry, sorry, uh, Little Miss Lover. Man, can we talk about Little Wing and about how it's a great song? Sure. <laughs> that's, I a mean, great, that's a great song, man. Let's throw that one on. Yeah. yeah. And that, that, in, that guitar intro, it's so cool. It's, it's like kind of blurring the lines between rhythm and lead a little bit. And it's one that you've heard every beginning intermediate guitar player play for years and years and years and it's still so lovely as a beginning intermediate guitar player i'm gonna say i can't play little <laughs> well maybe not sorry it's best use of glockenspiel i've heard in the song yeah it's great great, great glockenspiel great, great glock. glock yeah it's got that nice chorus too the mm-hmm. chorus and it's short and... it's like two minutes long yeah you love it because the drums come in this is a sick drum intro yeah yeah. So it's been said too that this is a great album. It but it gets blindly overlooked by his other albums. Understandably, I it's think. It's very understandably yeah. that you people don't deep dive into this type of album because, you know, the other albums are so huge. They have the hit, you know, biggest hits on them. But still a great album. And I'm going to correct something you said earlier about <laughs> Uh, about every song was his. Noel Redding actually did write. Oh yeah, she's so fine ah. on oh. the second side. I actually think really? that's really cool. Well, it's yeah, and they had more involvement than the first album. I was and sing. Oh, I'm right? sorry, Redding. There it is. I yeah, wasn't yeah. familiar with uh, "She's So Fine" before, but Same it's number it's really cool. Uh, like Noel Redding's British, you know, and just having his like British voice singing it and then also it's kind of like the way he it's not written like a Jimi Hendrix song it's written like a Noel Redding song and it turns out Noel Redding writes kind of like British Psych Garage so like you know it sounds like something that you could hear on like one of those Nuggets compilations because it's just like British psychedelic garage rock only you got Jimi Hendrix on lead and that is Cool. It's cool to hear Jimi Hendrix lead guitar on a not Jimi Hendrix song, you know? And it's the type of song, like, you could throw that song on, like, a mixtape for someone, and, like, they they wouldn't know it's the Jimi yeah. Hendrix experience. You could put on, like, a mixtape of, yeah, like, garage rock, and, like, man, this this random, obscure garage rock song just got shredding guitar. Yeah, and, yeah it's, it's Hendrix. Yeah. Do you think that's what Hendrix would be doing? Now, if he was still alive, uh, playing just, lead just guitar shredding. for no Redding. <laughs> no, just shredding over you know whoever Beyonce. Yeah, it would, or whoever it would have been him on Thriller <laughs> instead of Vetter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, man. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. There you go.
it, it is that strange middle child, huh? Yeah. It's it's got the it's got all the elements, but at the same time, it's just not quite at the level that cohesive in yeah. people. It, Although I do like his expand. You know, the reason I wanted to write the or uh, read that review is that it does expand a little bit on his writing style. It's not all just garage starts and stops uh, with choruses. It does have a little more introspective, you know, playing with those sort of ballads and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we're listening to She's So Fine. It sounds like The Who. Yeah, yeah. It, it's cool to hear <laughs> Hendrix doing the backing, like, high harmonies, too. Because yeah. you can pick out, like, his, his like, tonality of his voice singing, like, the oohs and ahs. Yeah, even though the album overall is maybe not well-loved, I think it has my personally, my, my favorite Jimi Hendrix songs are on this album. Really? Yeah. Which uh, one? Castles Made of Sand, Most, yeah. Little Wing, uh, Spanish Castle Magic are probably my, I mean, Castles Made of Sand might be my favorite uh, Jimi Hendrix song. Is the Jimi Hendrix experience the greatest power trio of all time? I've heard that said, and I doubted I'm gonna, it. I'm and gonna take I, it over Cream for fucking sure. I'd take it over Cream. Would you take it over ZZ Top? Yeah, absolutely. Would you take it over Motorhead? Absolutely. Would you take it over Nirvana? Yeah. Would you take it over <laughs> Shiv Kumar Sharma, Bridge Bhushan, Cabra? That was technically a quartet. <laughs> <laughs> No, arguably, arguably, debatably, greatest power trio. I'd still go Coke Dares. But oh, one yeah, uh, yeah. yeah that's, that's actually a really good point. Coke Dares, then Hendrix. <laughs> <laughs> Call up Jason right now. Let him know. Yeah. You're going to be a star. Oh, presidents. Presidents, uh, yeah. Hot yeah. USA. Anybody read anything about the Vishnu uh, co- the cover, cover? Yeah, I can I can explain that a little yeah. bit. Um, yeah, so the cover is a depiction, uh, a brief aside, I'm a religious studies major. I have my uh, art of baccalaureate in uh, religious studies. So uh, Jimi Hendrix is Braggart. depicted. Yeah, well, you know, you want to lay it out there. I'm not just some guy. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> I am some guy. Um, so Jimi Hendrix, his head is superimposed over a depiction of one of the main Hindu trinity gods, Vishnu, and the depiction of Vishnu shows all of his uh, avatars uh, spreading out to his sides. And so um, for many Hindus, um, Vishnu as the uh, sustainer, there's there's three gods in, in, in Hinduism, Brahma the creator, Vishnu the sustainer, and Shiva the destroyer. So Vishnu is kind of, for many Hindus, kind of like Jesus Christ. So this is Jimi Hendrix putting his face <laughs> over Jesus Christ. On an album cover, uh, and so it was. It was offensive to some. Yeah, still is. In 2014, I read that they uh, they redacted the cover um, in certain areas because of uh, the controversy. I think it's a cool cover. It's a cool looking cover. Um, yeah. I yeah. mean, for iconography, like Hinduism can't be beat. They draw really cool shit. Yeah, it, it's very <laughs> cool with him and all the arms. And I, I, I thought when I had first seen this. I saw all those arms, and I was like, it kind of represents his playing style of being... I don't know if you guys watch video, but when he plays, it's like nothing. He literally is playing, and then he'll go up to the... He'll hit every note, you know, up and down the neck, and just make it seem smooth and easy. He's got these big hands. Yeah. Like, his finger span from, like, his thumb to his pinky on a guitar neck is, like, the better part of an octave. It's crazy. Yeah, so I kind of interpreted the the mini hands being like his uh, his yeah. style, uh, and then it's got hit the two bandmates on either side uh, flanking him, and yeah, I thought it was a cool cover. 
but of course, they they said they had nothing to do with it, and they weren't totally I, happy with it. And, I believe them, like yeah. uh, given the time. Yeah, you know. Well, given the time they had to put these albums out, I'm yeah. sure they weren't working on their own fucking artwork. I mean, also, given the the dopey album cover of Are You Experienced, I would believe that they don't have Did anything you say to Are do. You Experienced? Are, are You Experienced? Speedwagon. Are You Experienced? Are You Speedwagon. Where's that mashup? <laughs> I'm done. I'm done here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next time we'll be talking about Aretha Franklin. I never loved a man the way I love you. Thanks, y'all. Thanks. Down the street, you can hear a scream. You're a disgrace. And she slams the door in his drunken face. And now he stands outside. And all the neighbors start to gossip and drool. He cries, oh, girl, you must be mad. What happened to the sweet love you and me had? Against the door he leans and starts a scene And his tears fall and burn in garden green And so castles made of sand Fall in the sea Eventually So, uh, do you guys want that mystic story? Yeah, okay. Here's the mystic mystic story. Uh, On this album there is the track If Six Was Nine uh, and apparently, according to the lore, Jimi Hendrix was very into numerology, and his number was the number of completion, which is nine. And uh, how many years after this did he pass? Two years, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so he, pa- he passed like shortly that. after this album, and the way that he passed was due to a drug overdose of alcohol and a painkiller. And apparently, according to the lore... Uh, he went to a friend's apartment and she had these painkillers, which you're only supposed to take maybe a half of one of. And he decided, well, I'm going to take nine of these to see if I should stay alive or if I should die. Well, that's too many of them. Yeah, that's too many. Plus alcohol. I mean, it would have been fine if you didn't drink. I it mean, might not have been. Though. No. So <laughs> that's the nine of the six of nine. He takes nine. I think they were second all takes nine of them and drinks and then the friend comes you back. Take nine no, you all. shouldn't take nine of anything. Oh. Um, and so he takes nine of these, and the friend comes back and finds him alive, but apparently does not call for medical assistance for six hours. So there's six hours and nine second all, and that led to his death. That's just that's <laughs> that's dumb. Yeah, I know, but you wanted to know, so there it is. Okay. Boo! Yeah. Boo. The worst. So I guess you made Hendrix lame. Boo! I did it. I guess the moral is: if you're into numerology, no matter what your number is, it doesn't mean take that, that many, many right. times <laughs> the average dosage of whatever. Right. Yeah, numerology and pharmacology don't mix. Right.